when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey y'all, Anita here from She and Her. Hope you're doing well and hope you're enjoying season two. Sandra and I are actually in Cuba this week. That's right. So we will not be releasing a new show, but we have repurposed one of our old episodes with yoga teacher and body positivity celebrity Jessamine Stanley. So Jessamine came on our show last season and at the time she was reeling from a pretty crazy year of Instagram stardom and all kinds of publicity. And things have actually only gotten busier. She is launching her very first book, Every Body Yoga, Let Go of Fear, Get on the Mat, Love Your Body, and it's coming out April 4th. So enjoy this conversation with Jessamine. Check out her new book, and we'll be back with you soon. Hey, y'all. How are y'all doing? I'm I'm very excited to be here. We're so excited. There are so few, like, truly feminist outlets, especially radio outlets. So I'm really, really stoked to be here and talking to you guys. And that this is in Hillsborough. It's an awesome representation of the state. We could not be happier to have you here. I'm happy to be here. So let's just start. And why don't you speak a little bit about this last year? What does it feel like to have become an internet sensation? (laughs) You know, honestly, it feels essentially the same as my life was before. I feel like, you know, it's a really beautiful thing to be able to interact with people who are in places in their lives that feel dark, but that I have also been in. And so this year has been really monumental for me and being able to interact with so many people that even though they're in different parts of the country or like are in different stages in their lives, we all have this thread that runs between us of needing a deeper connection to something else. So, I mean, to know that I can communicate with other people through the practice of yoga has been incredible for me. It's been a very, very, I mean, it's obviously kind of weird because there's this like, media aspect to it as well where I like have to I don't know there's some weirdness to it but overall it's been a really really beautiful experience just being able to see what yoga can be for other people it's been pretty crazy I mean well whatever I could ramble about this in a a lot of different ways but well the thing that's crazy to me every time I think about your story is that this all happened by accident like you didn't set out to become an internet phenomenon. Oh my gosh, no, <laughs> not at all. And I think that that's probably the thing that is the the weirdest for me overall. It's why like 
I still feel like I'm just the same, you know, like I, I started doing this because I wanted to track my alignment. And I noticed that there were a lot of people who saw me and they were like, wow, I didn't know that this thing existed. I didn't know what, what what's bigger than that is people who are like, I didn't know that I could do that until I saw you. And then I was like, wow, I guess I should be showing more of this. And so it's always just been me documenting my life, documenting my practice. It's not like I was, you know, trying to inspire people or anything like that but I think that that's what inspiration is it's when someone kind of takes control of their life and they live in a certain way that's inspirational to people I think it's it's kind of weird to be like I'm gonna inspire people by <laughs> posting photos on the internet. You know, which that's you see sketchy. a lot of on Instagram. Which you see exactly, and it's something that is a very different starting point. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of, and it's why I kind of have some weirdness about all of this as well, because I think that yoga is a very, very private thing, and it it kind of takes it into a weird context when you photograph it and when you uh, put it on display for other people. And I have a lot of internal dialogue about whether or not it is helpful in a larger sense just because I think that people become way too focused on um, what it, what it looks like like what a um, what a headstand looks like what a forearm stand looks like whatever it's not really about the journey to get there and so I have a lot of internal struggle with that about whether or not this is good in the long term but I just really think that especially for people who have different bodies than what is typically shown as beautiful, I think it's really, really important for them to see someone who is genuinely comfortable with themselves and who even in that comfort has days, has ups and downs, but doesn't feel as though they're not on the same level as just anyone else. Sure. So one of my questions for you is, how did you get to that point? So I, from what I understand, (laughs) you weren't always at that point. And I know (laughs) I, I would be really curious to hear how your actual thoughts Mm-hmm. change because I can actually pinpoint a, a time I told Anita about this about a year ago where one morning I woke up and I was just like I'm really tired of just thinking about how I look and mm-hmm. you know what my weight is whatever mm-hmm. and it just I just decided one day that I just didn't want to spend my energy doing that anymore it's just such a waste of time but it's hard to see that when you're just so deeply embedded in the society that we live in I mean I spent my entire life being literally just like anyone else I I mean especially just like any other fat girl I was like very uncomfortable in my own skin I tried to lose weight so many different ways like weight watchers multiple times I would go to the gym for period like you know like how you get really into going to the gym for like six to eight months and then you stop for a few months and then you gain back whatever weight you <laughs> loss. I did that over and over and over again. But by the time I started practicing yoga, I was so far beyond that because I was just really depressed in my life. Mm. I had reached a point and the more that I've talked about this, the more that I realize it just sounds like a Southern episode of girls. So I'm kind of mad about it. But <laughs> it's like I, I was just really at a place where I'd lost all connection with my graduate program. I'd lost all like I was in a relationship that had been a huge part of my life that was ending. And I was just I was lost mm-hmm. and um, and I started practicing yoga and it just grounded me in such a way that I was able to pull away from all of these other things that I thought were distracting me. But I realized there was all these internal distractions. So, you know, like you're realizing this and and I changed locations and moved to Durham and I'm doing have a completely different life. And then I just started realizing that there were all these other ways that I was still holding myself back, like just in the way that I presented my body, like in wanting to hide certain aspects of it. That's a huge thing, especially 
with fat women, you have parts of your body where you're like, I can't show this. You know, it happens a lot in the arms, in the thighs. You're like, I have to show, I have to cover these things at all time. And so in practicing asana and photographing it and putting it on the internet, I was really forced to stare at my body like Mm -hmm. that. I would say that that is probably the thing that made the biggest difference for me overall, because if you don't look at yourself, I mean, it's easy when you like look in the mirror to be like, I'm not about that. And then you walk away from the mirror or you hide the mirror or you just avoid them entirely. It's very, very, very common thing. And um, and I just got to this place where I had to stare at it because a photo doesn't go away. You know, like you look at it and then you think, wow. I'm in this pose that is so, it's requiring so much of me. I remember that feeling of what it took to get there. How is it possible that I hate my stomach, that I hate my arms, that I hate my thighs when they're obviously really, really strong and awesome? Mm. And so it's this thing where you confront yourself, you make yourself stare at the things that you think are holding you back, and then you realize that it's just that thought that's holding you back, that actually your body is awesome. But this is like a very long process. You know, it's not, I, I don't think that I had a moment where, or like a day where I was just like, man, I mean, because I've definitely had days where I was like, I'm gonna feel good today. But then I still have days where I'm like, I don't feel like great today. But it's just kind of an overall shift over time where you reprioritize things. And you think that I'm actually really, really strong. I'm actually really awesome. Why am I making myself feel bad about that? Well, and yeah, yeah. Well, I was just gonna say, I mean, you talked about what the photo does. And mm-hmm. one thing Sandra and I were thinking a lot about is Instagram in particular as a vehicle is really interesting because a lot of mm-hmm. the lifestyle accounts we see on Instagram are very homogenous. They're mostly white women. They're mostly oh, yeah. white women of a particular body type displaying mm-hmm. a particular meaning of what it means to be fit, what it means mm-hmm. to be healthy. What it so, means to be happy. What it means to be happy, exactly. exactly. Yeah. The curated Design. life. Totally. So, so mm-hmm. why, why Instagram is a platform and what do you think that choosing that platform in itself does for this, for I your think work? Instagram is, it's like probably the perfect social media outlet because our society especially this like millennial society or millennial generation is so image heavy like everything is just like you need to be able to look at it and get whatever you need from it in that one picture so that even if you don't read the caption that goes below you still get so much just from one picture and I think that to me if that's the easiest way to communicate with people then that's what that's what I want to do and so you're capturing these snapshots of life that people can find in their own lives even if they don't see that exact like lineup that exact matchup then they see themselves in it but if you give them a picture that is actually pretty close to what they see on a day-to-day basis it's not just like bright sunlight green grass blue skies you know like all this stuff that even if it happens you know some days it's not happening every day and and you know maybe you have days where like maybe you're I don't know I mean I just feel like everyone wants to see something that actually looks real that actually looks like it can be found in their lives and that to me is why Instagram is the perfect way to show them that to show them that (laughs) even in just this moment I'm just like you my friend Cameron who did the theme music for this show always says you know those accounts where you see like the perfect room she's Mm -hmm. like where's the water glass on that table like (laughs) where are the phone cords you know (laughs) I always think that I mean especially I see it all the time and um it's really bad in yoga photos because I mean even in these like when when you see bodies that are kind of different it's still just like everything is so perfect you know there's no journey in that you're not seeing the moment them you don't see the moment before they got into the and you don't see the moment after you don't see any of the work all you see is just this 
it's so beautiful. And to me, that's kind of, it's worthless. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, what is beauty without the story behind it? What is like, what is truth without the journey? It's just, I think that there's so much more that can be conveyed. And, and the funny thing is the people who show these unrealistic uh, expectations, who create these rooms without water glasses, who create these perfect yoga poses, their lives aren't like that, you know, and they don't, they don't actually, um, I don't even really think that they expect other people to live up to that standard. It's just kind of like we're all creating this fake world and then we live in the real world and there's, I don't know, it's just, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. So there's a lot of, you know, projection and reading on those types of accounts Mm -hmm. and another type of reading that Anita and I are always talking about is how women read each other's bodies. And I wonder if you see this a lot in your yoga class, you know, you look at a woman, you consider her body and you place it in conversation with yours absolutely i mean it's just projection 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 it's like so one of the main questions that i'm asked by people is like what's going to happen if i go to a yoga class and i'm the fattest person in the room or like if people stare at me or or if i can't do what other people are doing and i'm like those things are just going to happen. You know, like you mm-hmm. have to accept that that's going to happen. And you see it in the class when people come in and they see it, the girl next to them is doing something that maybe it's like a particularly slender woman and she's practicing in such a way that it makes the other person feel bad about themselves. And then they leave the class and they're like, man, that wasn't for me. You know, I'm just not strong enough. I'm just not blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I hope you understand that all of that came from you. Like you didn't have a conversation with this woman where she said there's something wrong with your body and you need to feel bad about yourself. I mean, it's just like constant projection, 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 trying to blame things on other people as opposed to taking the blame for yourself. And that so much of like my personal mission, just like with my clients, is trying to help you redirect that blame so that if you're not it's not necessarily about blaming yourself. It's just about accepting the role that you have in your own destiny. And that if you believe something, it will be that. Hmm. But if you stop projecting your dissatisfaction on other people, then that'll stop. But then it's kind of a two-way street too, because in that same environment, um, you do get people who, like maybe that other woman is projecting something onto you that's Hmm. making you feel bad. You know, it's this, it's this two way street and women do it. I think that men do it a lot and it doesn't get as much um, notoriety, but women do it to a point where it's like, it's so uh, it's, it's repugnant because it filters (laughs) into our daughters and it filters into schools and it turns into this, like this uh, atmosphere where, no one is comfortable with themselves. No one. There's no perfect. It's just like we're all just sitting around here being unhappy about things. It's, it's well, really, so that really leads sad. me to a question that one of our listeners sent in about sort of the role of the teacher in a yoga class. So when you're, you do, you, if you witness this kind of thing, or even if you're just trying to sort of project that you want this to be a positive space, um, how do you do that? So what she said exactly was, mm-hmm. I think it's common in certain studios to say during class to practice wherever your body is that day, or don't push past your edge. And I say that and I mean it, but I don't think it quite speaks to body positivity in as nuanced a way as I'd like. So how? what are some concrete ways that yoga teachers of all shapes and sizes can intentionally create body positive class environments with or without specifically naming it. So what do you do? How do you encourage other teachers to create that I'm so glad that this came up because to me, this is the heart of body positivity. A lot of Mm -hmm. people hear body positivity and they think it's like related to size specifically or related to like one specific feature, but really it's in the way that we communicate with ourselves about, uh, communicate with ourselves and with other people. And so much of it comes back to how the teacher 
interacts with their own body, how it interacts with their students, and then in the language that we use throughout the class. It's more than just the like the initial statement that you make. It's in the way that you adjust people. If you're over-assisting people, I feel like I see that more than anything. Mm-hmm. The thing, I'm sorry, I have so much to say about this. No, I'm, losing, I'm losing <laughs> that breath. Because, um, you know, as a teacher, you always want to be like really intimate with the student and helping them in and out of poses. And, and there's this need to just like put your hands on people. And that can be really intimidating, very emotionally intimidating to a student, especially to someone who already has a lot of body issues. So I honestly steer away from adjusting in general. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that if you have a actual point to make where you are going to help someone experience the pose in a way that they were not going to experience it otherwise. And maybe it's just, you know, like helping them jet their knee further out or just realigning a foot. That's fine. But I think that whenever you like just get too intimate with students that it's just it's it's distracting for them. And then they're they're just thinking about it way too much. So that would be my first suggestion is just to sort of pull back on that. I think it also has to do with just the way that you talk about the poses, the kind of dialogue that you use, um, maybe not necessarily making it completely anatomical so that because sometimes people don't really know what that means and then it makes them feel stupid or makes them feel like they should know. And then if they can't quite make the connection, then they feel like, you know, I mean, there's just this whole psychological thing that's going on with the student. And I feel like the reason that I have that feeling about it is that I didn't really come up going to a lot of live classes because I felt discrimination from teachers. Mm. And it's because of just these little things, you know, no one intends to discriminate against their students. And you think that by making like a blanket statement, then that that's the be all end all. But I think there are a lot of little just little adjustments that you can make to the way that you talk about the poses, the way that you adjust people and the way that you are with your own body because I always part of my disclaimer is that well a there's never going to be a that person in the room who doesn't feel like they can't be in the room because I'm here I have my belly out it's happening (laughs) and it's fine and that um people come in they're like I'm afraid I'm gonna fart I'm afraid I'm gonna fall and I practice with people so that they see me I go right next to them and do it with them because there's a camaraderie feeling where it's like man we're in this together like I get this I've been where you are and when you're there next to them and they feel that camaraderie it creates a completely different environment it's very different from like teacher student you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so those would be my suggestions so one of our our listeners Lizzie Graham who's a yoga instructor in New York Mm -hmm. she wrote in and wanted you to speak a little bit about where you how you got to such a positive relationship with your body which you've already done Mm -hmm. but the other thing that she asked about is do you feel like your weight ever bumped up against holistic health values that yoga often promotes and that sort of thing Mm. no but I think that other people have felt that on my behalf Mm. um oh trying to think of where to start with this um I think that I mean it kind of goes back to the eight limb path of yoga and how one of the limbs of yoga one of the offshoots of it is this idea of ahimsa which is nonviolence, and a lot of people translate that to mean um eating Uh, eating a diet that is either vegan or vegetarian and then um, making other alterations to your diet, which would then ultimately make you a smaller person. That plus asana practice plus all of the other steps would then lead to that body type. But that is such an antiquated idea that I can't even, I don't even think I need to go into how ridiculous it is. And then especially if you consider just the, the societal impact that has that comes on western people that is just not present in ancient um 
in ancient yoga practice. And I think that this also comes down to something that is really important to me is the distinction between Eastern and Western yoga. And it really bothers me whenever people try to like make it seem as though they're all the same because it's not, you know, we're living in a society where, and not to pull the race card, but African-American people, especially um, like of a certain social class, there are things that happen like the kind of foods that you eat as a child are just different, you know? And I mean, I think that that can be said for a lot of different groups, a lot of different kinds of people, so that whenever you get to adulthood, the way that your body is, is just gonna be different. These are things that are not written down in the eight limb path of yoga, you know? Like, it's just not there. But that doesn't mean that my yoga practice is invalid because of what my body looks like because of society, you know what I mean? So I think that I have never felt that because I do not, associate being slender or having that as a goal with like the ultimate purpose of the yogic path to me they're to me they are completely separate things and it's that whole you know fat doesn't equal not healthy Mm -hmm. debate right oh (laughs) you know there's such a misconception about what it means to be fat people think because Weight is like the most successful smear campaign of all time. Like the medical profession will agree. Society agrees. If you're fat, you're not healthy, you're a bad person. All these things are just attached to each other. But it's like, just take the chance to think something different. Think that maybe, maybe being fat doesn't mean you're unhealthy. Maybe it doesn't. And then when you actually start to break it down, you see, okay, so... This is the example I always use. I have students, most of my students are a lot smaller than I am. So that, um, like, let's say the one student in particular whose name I'm not going to use or even pretend to get to, but let's say that she and I are standing next to each other. She's a lot smaller than me. Um, If you saw us, you would think that she was the yoga teacher and not me. This person also smokes multiple packs of cigarettes a day, does not eat a particularly healthy diet, doesn't really pay attention to their health at all. And it's like, you know... This person is unhealthy, you know, and then it's like if we're going to use these same scales, you you just have to think that it's not necessarily about body size. It's just about there's a million different factors that contribute to whether or not a person is healthy. And I also think that whenever you do something athletic and you're fat, that there's all of these rules that you have to be the healthiest person on top of that. So it's like I can't then admit to eating cheese fries or cheeseburgers, which I do because other people do. Because shame, then people do. You know? shame. I know, right? I should really. feel bad. <laughs> but I don't. You know, I feel like, and that's yoga to me. You know, it's about finding that balance. And I think that people who, who really practice and who really care about it understand that and then people who don't don't and I'm not bothered by people who have different opinions than that because you know that that is literally what yoga is it's about balance when it comes to your finances you think you've done it all You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So I've been thinking a lot about, so I was a women's studies major and sort of got schooled in these classic feminist over time and one of the women that was really important in our training was Sojourner Truth and she's an abolitionist and women's rights advocate who came out in um, the 1850s with this famous speech called Ain't I a Woman where she talks about sort of all these things that she does yet she's not still considered a woman part of it a lot of it having to do with her race but another part of it having to do with sort of these notions of what it means to be ladylike and what women are and aren't supposed to do so I'm wondering if you can sort of talk about, you know, 150 years later, post-Sojourner Truth, and I a woman, what are we still dealing with here about these issues of what it means to be ladylike, how women are, what women are supposed to do because they are women? I feel like, honestly, very little has changed if we look at it, you know, just looking at things with a... A broad pen, I really feel like it's essentially the same. I mean, you still see women that, like, have these really, I mean, ideas that I thought are archaic. I mean, about the way that we, I mean, just in the idea that you still need to get married, regardless of if you're going to have a career, regardless of whatever, like, you still should get married and have children. That's still a thing. You still have, like like you would still defer to your husband to a certain degree. I mean, these are still very real ideas. And, I mean... I've always felt like the problem with feminism is is other women. And I think that that is no truer here than anywhere else, that we just continue to feed into these things. I mean, it's it's me being OK whenever men, my like male co-workers say something that's sexist to me, you know, and like and then you just sort of let it go because all it takes is saying, you know, you don't need to call me sweetheart. You don't need to like like I don't need to act ladylike. All it takes is that kind of reclamation. But we don't do that. We just sit here and we're like, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. I mean, and then it makes it sound kind of sad. But I think that if you actually accept the real starting point, you can make you can make greater strides. It's mm-hmm. different. It's very different from us saying like things are great. We're making so much progress, and we're really not. And I think that it does have a lot to do with these like just the smallest things that really make a bad impact. So I was at an event where an older man that I'd never met before called me little lady and sweetheart oh, and yeah. I didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've never totally. I've never confronted that. I've been at clubs or bars mm-hmm. where men think it's okay to do things like that because even it would come be up, rude. Right. If you say you feel like it's rude. Right. Yeah. So Thanks. I I wonder mm-hmm. if you have stories of where you have countered oh, that and what kind of reaction you got today or this week or this month because honestly <laughs> it happens to me all the time and it's so I always blame it on like I mean I hate to keep coming back to this idea of being a southern woman but that there's just so many little things especially in being polite that you don't you don't want to offend someone you don't want to um you know you don't want to hurt their feelings or I mean I've had teachers who especially if you get emotional you know and they and maybe they're not anticipating that you're going to get emotional and and you're like apologizing for your emotions, apologizing for being a woman. And it just sits and sits and sits. And then you don't even recognize that you're doing it. 
When I was in teacher training, I was very closed off to the experience in yoga teacher training. I was very closed off to the experience because everyone was like, oh, it's going to be an incredible experience. And I was like, whatever, I'm jaded. I'm not going to get anything. I'm not going to get that level of emotion out of it. And the second week we did this partner exercise where we had to um, like physically put each other into poses. And I was a lot larger than the girl that I was working with. And so I kept apologizing. And um, and she stopped me at one point and she was like, you don't have to apologize for everything. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I just, I guess I'm apologizing for existing. And it just slipped out of my mouth. So because when you're in teacher training, you got a lot of emotions going on. So like, it just slipped out so easily. And I was like, do I really think that? Is that a thing? And that idea is born out of this thing of like, you're apologizing. I'm apologizing for existing. It's something that women do all the time. You apologize for not like inhabiting space in the way that you expect other people to expect you. I mean, it's just this crazy thing. So anyway, um, I said that and I was like, what? And then I just started crying and I couldn't stop crying. I cried for the rest of the practice. I went out to my car and cried. And it was so cathartic because actually recognizing that I apologize for everything. I feel like I'm not, you know, it's when you actually accept it, you can start to rebuild and you can start to create a new reality for yourself but if you don't accept that and most women do not accept these things you're just like oh I'm sorry I do blah 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 you know like you don't you don't actually get to the root of it but if you can get there which God only knows what it'll take to do it I mean (laughs) mine was the weirdest circumstance Mm -hmm. but if you get there then you can see that you are actually strong and you are actually because the whole thing about feminism is trying to recognize that we're actually all equal that's it like it's not about women are better than men it's just about that we're all equal and it's trying to even as someone who's called themselves a feminist that i get far away from that so just accepting where you really are can make such a difference makes such a difference well and also it sounds like considering where you really are mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. taking a step back and getting that perspective, which absolutely I, we appreciate you being open and vulnerable mm-hmm. about because that's one yeah. thing that I don't think a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. And if we're not talking about how we get to a point where we have a positive relationship with our bodies or with mm-hmm. where we see ourselves in relation to the rest of our universe, then, you know, how are we going to get there? Exactly. How can how can you get there? If you say, I mean, I um, not to get too far off the point, but one of my biggest problems with the body positivity movement is that I encounter women, especially all the time, who are like, yeah, I'm body positive. I love my body, blah, blah, blah. But I can't show my shoulders. I can't show my thighs. I can't do anything. And it's like, how are you actually body positive? Like, I don't understand how you're getting there. And because you're not actually accepting the starting point, you don't actually accept that really you're not comfortable with yourself really or not and if you can get there and just be cool with it you know we avoid it because it's not pretty if you accept what's not pretty then you can make it beautiful but if you don't accept it you're just going to sit over here doing nothing and that's our show for the week like we said at the top we're going to be back with you with a brand new episode next week we are thrilled about this season and we really want to get your feedback so please tweet at us, send us a message on Facebook, send us an email at sheandherradio at gmail.com. Or you could share your favorite She and Her episode of the season on social media with the hashtag tripod. That's hashtag T-R-Y-P-O-D. And tell us why you love it. Follow us on social media to see behind the scenes photos from every episode that we record. And we will see y'all next week. Bye.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.